Today, on Commitment to Truth. You see, when a man or a woman, young or old, does what is good and what is right, when a man or woman begin to realize that, you know what, um, I'm going to seek the Lord in everything that I do. Man or woman who begins to say, you know what, there's no other option. It's simply saying, God, the battle's not mine. It's yours. Why? Because that's God. Because he's there to fight for you and for me. If we let him. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we begin a series titled, Complete Hearts. Throughout our personal journey with Christ, we will be tempted to rely upon someone or something other than the Lord. This sermon series will help us examine our individual hearts so that we may develop and sustain a heart that belongs completely to the Lord. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. There's times, guys, men specifically, God will call us to be courageous and lead our families, and you will feel alienated from your wife and your children. Matter of fact, they'll pull a coup on you. The times that God will say, no, dad, husband, you got to lead. Even if everybody's against you. You see, moms, it'd be the same way when your kids will come to you and cry to get their way or act out to get their way. And it just, just grabs your heartstrings and it'd be like... And you cave in. It takes courage. Listen, it takes courage when your mother calls you. Well, baby, now you know your mama. Oh, you know, you're not going to say no to your mama, are you? Now, she may not necessarily say those words, but you know how mamas can get. They could just be smooth operators in there and, and be able to make milk that and make you feel a certain kind of way. It takes courage to say, no, I can't, Mom. I can't. It will, it will definitely alienate you from even people you love. The word remove also means to vanish, and here's the best one, to cease to exist. Those things that God tells you and I to tear down, remove, and even restore, right? There's this, this nuance of something has to cease to exist. And if something has to cease to exist that already existed in times past, and chances are, there's, if, you, if you read this part of the, the narrative over again, you're talking about years of temple worship. You're talking about core values, if you would, of people. He's saying, tear down. Well, wait a minute, you, you don't get it. Well, that's how my great-grandmother did it. 
That's how my grandmother did it. That's how my mama did it. That's how everybody did it in the Brown family. But you know what God would do? Knock on your heart and say, for you, son, it has to cease to exist. That takes courage. It take courage if you're on your job and your boss is telling you you need to do this or that. And, and, and all of us have this inclination to do what their boss says, even without counting the cost. takes courage to even say no to those in authority over you. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 says it this way. I certainly believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But how and why? Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes. Wait for the Lord. It takes courage just to say, God, I'm not doing that because you told me not to do that. And I will wait until you tell me what to do. Because bystanders say, well, why are you waiting? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you doing what everybody else is doing? Wait. Why aren't you reacting like everybody else is reacting? Wait. Psalm 31 verse 24 reaffirms it and says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So there's something about gaining strength and gaining more courage when we do what? Wait for the Lord. Because chances are in the wait, he'll tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. What to say, what not to say, and how to say it as we wait. We should never abandon the Lord because he will never abandon us. He has proved it over and over and over again, small and great. He's proved it. Should never abandon him. We got to keep going back to the Lord over and over again. And if you're so far away from God, he wants to reestablish and restore relationship with you because that's just what he does. But all of this takes courage, right? It takes courage to make courageous decisions to ultimately lead us back to God and or keep us there so that we can have a heart that is completely his. Lastly, we must become his friends. We must become friends of God. You see, so many times we view God as this being that's out there that is able to just wipe the earth out and wipe me out at a you know, swipe of a pen or whatever, right? Just blowing us, we're all gone. True, he could if he wanted to. And yes, there should be this godly fear. But remember, God's fear is a little bit different than man's fear. God's fear, when he talks about fear, he talks about reverence. 
Are you respecting me? Or another part of the fear, a definition of fear means this. It's, I'm so afraid of God because he's not even doing what he's capable of doing. It's kind of like when you walk in the house and you know you did wrong as a child and you, you just know what your mom and dad is capable of doing, but they didn't do it. And you're just waiting. You're like, oh, dang. When, when is it coming? When is it coming? When is it coming? When is it coming? And it never comes. But yet that, you know, that, that emotional landscape, a, a landscape that they have and real estate they have is like, I know what they're capable of doing because they've done it before. But why are they not doing it? You see, in other words, it's this. I know I deserve hell, but I don't get it. That's something to fear God about. Is that I don't get what I deserve. So he deserves my respect. As a matter of fact, he gave me a way for escape of my stupidness. And sin. So I better sit up and take notice that he's God and I'm not. That he's all powerful, I'm not. That he's all knowing and I'm not. And that he's sparing me and I can't even spare myself. That's that sacred fear, right? But what God wants from us all the more is to be our friend. And that's what most people miss out of is the friendship with God. Verse 12 and 17 is the only verses we're going to focus on here. You can go back and read verses 9 through 17 on your own. Verse 12 says, they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart. This word covenant, listen to what it means. It's the covenant between God and man defined on the basis of God's character, not our own. An alliance of friendship. That's what God wants, church. And when you, when you break it down to that relational basics, one-on-one basics, I'm sure everyone in there has a friend. Would you ever want to do your friend wrong? Not if they're your friend. Do you intentionally say, well, you know, I'm going to hurt my, my friend's feelings? Well, if you do, well, are you really a friend, right? So if you just strip it down to the bare bones and say, well, all God wants to do is be my friend. That's all he's asking of me is that would I be a true ride or die? It's like, you know what? I know when the chips come down, Cedric's not going to abandon me. You see, I grew up in Compton and you know what we used to do? We used to go to house parties. And we always, <laughs> every time, we had this like checkpoint before you walked in. Okay, listen, if this goes down, 
this is what we're expecting from each other. It was like, just in case something goes down, you're not going to just run out. So we said, hey, if something goes down, you know what we did? Standing back to back. I can't see what's behind me, but you can. You can't see what's behind you, but I can. We had each other's backs. God just wants you and me to have his backs. And not be divided. Are you with me? Are you not with me? Are you my friend? Are you not my friend? Again, we know he's God, but let's... Friendship we all understand. Will you become his friend? Because he's already done everything to seal the friendship. The word blameless here in verse 17, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. This word blameless is the same word for completely found in our foundational verse, 2 Chronicles 16.9. That he looks and roams his eyes upon earth, seeking to find hearts that are what? Completely his, that are blameless, that are safe, perfect, whole, full, at peace, finished, undivided because of his friendship. Not because it's this religious duty, church. Not because it gives you holy marks, you follow me? Not because it's like, okay, well, if I don't do this, God's going to get you, God's going to get me. No, that's not how friendships act, right? That's not how friendships are based upon. It's like, no, no, I want to be with you. And you want to be with me. And your friendship makes me safe. It perfects me, makes me whole. It fulfills me. I'm at peace. I feel finished when I'm with you. And there's no division in my heart. That's what God wants from us. You see, the benefits of this type of friendship or covenant, Psalm 125 verses 1 through 5 says it this way. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but remains forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time and forever. That if you skip to verse 4, it says, do good, Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. And here's the promise in Psalm 89, verses 28 and 34. His promises cannot be violated, nor can they be altered. Listen, I will remain, I will maintain my favor for him forever. And my covenant shall be confirmed to him. I will not violate my covenant, nor will I alter the utterances of my lips. God is not a man that he shall lie, not a son of man, that he shall repent. Has he not spoken it? Will he not do it? Has he not said it? Will he not make it good? 
Let me end with this, please. Here's a thought I'd like to read to you. It says, there's a pursuit that is worthy of our devotion. There's a goal that is achievable even in the most desperate of situations. It will produce good far beyond our own small sphere of influence. It's something our souls long for. It's the life we've always wanted. It's the quest for what might be called a well-ordered heart. A a well-ordered heart. So what does it mean to have a well-ordered heart? Someone suggested that to have a well-ordered heart is this. Number one, love the right thing. Number two, to the right degree. Number three, in the right way. Number four, with the right kind of love. I'll read it again to you. A well-ordered heart is to love the right thing to the right degree in the right way with the right kind of love. So if you and I want a well-ordered heart or, as we've been discussing, a complete heart, this is how. I'm going to give you this last verse. One of my favorites, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. If the love of Christ controls me, my heart will always be in the same place, in the right place. So listen to what Paul writes to the church. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this. So having concluded this, that statement there can go forward or backwards. In other words, having concluded this, for the love of Christ controls us. Or Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all die. And if he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Having concluded this. Having concluded this. The love of Christ controls me and compels me to do what I should do all the time in every situation. I will love the right way, do the right thing all the right times. In other words, if my best friend loves someone I don't love, if I want to keep a smile on my best friend's heart, I will learn to love who they love. and even hate what they hate. If it puts a smile on my best friend's heart to do what is right all the time in every situation, and when I don't do the right thing all the time in every situation, I run back to him because I know it pleases my friend. 
This is the love of Christ that controls us. It's not legalism. It's not because somebody told me to do it. It's when you know that you know that you know that you know that you know Christ's love for you. Love has a strange way of making you do things that you would never do in and of yourself. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all die. And he died for all. Why? So that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him, our friend, who died and rose again on our behalf. This will keep your heart exactly where it needs to be. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that your friendship never fails. God, that you, you are that friend that sticks closer to us than any brother. When our mother and father and forsake us, you will never forsake us. It's your promise. Hello, this is Cedric Brown, your teacher on Commitment to Truth. I would like to personally thank you so much for tuning in week after week to listen here on this station. My prayer is that our time together is encouraging and strengthening you in your personal walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I'm not going to assume that all of you know this Christ that I speak about week after week. And if you don't, and this is you, my prayer is that you are being inspired to know Him personally through commitment to truth. But if you want to invite this Christ into your life right now, would you like to please pray with me? It's just a short prayer. It goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I acknowledge today that I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you came to die for me. You were buried for me and you rose again from the grave just for me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my risen Savior. And I surrender my life completely to you until I see you face to face. Jesus, would you, would you please empower me through your Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life for your glory and for the good of others? In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So if you pray this prayer, or if you need help finding a local Christ-centered and Bible-teaching church, please email me at info at commitmenttotruth.org. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. And lastly today, could you please do two things for me, all of you? Number one, could you spread the word about commitment to truth to your friends, your family, and even your enemies? We all could learn, right? And secondly, please email me at info at commitment to truth to let me know how this ministry is impacting your life. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. I would love to hear from you. May God bless you and your family and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to our series, Complete Hearts, from Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. 
We hope you are encouraged to make your heart completely His so that you can live courageously through Him. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.